You are listening to iRadio TT online all the time. Support for Music Matters the Caribbean Edition comes from Foss Productions Limited. From radio and TV production to audio consultancy and more. Foss Productions. Sound in and out. You can learn more about Foss Productions on Facebook at F-O-S-P-R-O-R-O-D-S. Welcome to Music Matters, the Caribbean edition. The podcast series featuring news, interviews and analysis of all the music from the islands. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Music Matters. The Caribbean edition. I am Laura Dowridge-Phillips. And I am Nigel Campbell. And once again, we're talking about the business of music here in the Caribbean. Yes, we are, Nigel. And again, our COVID conversation. COVID conversation. I'm <laughs> trademarking that. <laughs> we are talking about music and, mm. and where we are. It's. I think I've lost count of the days. I don't know. All are we still I've, been, I've, I've been indoors for, for six weeks, literally, and my beard is long like Santa Claus, but that's another yes. story. Mm. And one of the things we've been consuming a lot of in this lockdown is music Big time. Uh, it's been a music overload really i love mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. there's so much happening online locally and internationally um to me one of the one of the highlights was is has been mm. versus battles yes, um timbaland yes. and swiss beats versus on battles on on ig is erica badu and erica badu and virtual scott oh my god amazing and I then baby face and, cry um, so and many Teddy times. Riley crash instagram <laughs> yeah boy it was it was it has been an amazing mm. journey mm. um for us, the consumers of music. Yeah. Um, for the musicians themselves, I don't know. It's probably a mixed bag. I, right I, I have, I have varying opinions, not so much varying opinions. I understand why people are doing it. I'm happy that they're doing it, but I'm also a fan of quality and I've, um, some of the quality, some of the performances, certainly from the local perspective, have not been at the very best. The person just has a phone, they lean it against the wall, they perform. Yeah. Okay, all well and good. We don't have the system so to allow for online payments, certainly not officially via PayPal maybe kind of thing. But the the idea of sustaining a career during COVID nineteen to me hasn't hasn't panned out fully. But um I know that we have a guest who may be able to give us some guidance going forward on what can happen and some certainly the innovations in the music industry to how it could point a direction for us to do something proper in the music industry in the Caribbean. Yes, we do. So today we're going to really talk about what is wh- where we are in the, in the world of music, um, mm-hmm. and what is going to be what's trending, what's going, what the future might look like. And we are, I'm so excited. Tell us to, how excited to, you are <laughs> to introduce our guest today, Jason King. Ooh. I met Jason at a fellowship I did in Colombia, the Cabo Fellowship in Colombia. I did last November. He was my mentor. And, you know, I really want to keep him as a mentor for life because I'm super impressed with him. Um, Jason has a very long and impressive bio. I will not read the entire thing here. I will just give you all the Cliff Notes version. Um, he is a, he's born, he's, he's, he has Trini parents. So the, the Caribbean linkage is there. Boom. He, <laughs> that's why he's so super awesome. Trini to the <laughs> Born in Canada. To the he's a musician, DJ, performer, producer, arranger, songwriter, scholar, curator, journalist. He's an excellent music writer. And he is the founding faculty member of the Clive Davis Institute of Recorded Music. And he is just simply an amazing, amazing a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant writer. Mind, I've read his brilliant book, writer. Brilliant writer. That could only come from Caribbean schools, but say what? <laughs> we claim it. We claim Jason, it. welcome to Music Matters. 
Thank you, Laura. Thank you, Nigel. I'm uh, I'm honored for that introduction, and um, I'm feeling very Trinity to the bone right now. There you go. <laughs> Good, Jason. How have you been functioning with COVID nineteen and and this lockdown happening around the world? How are things with you right now? Uh, you know, things are okay. I'm in New York, mm-hmm. um, so I'm working from home, like most people are. Um, my main gig, my main job is teaching at New York University. So all of our classes have been online. I had a, te- a light teaching load anyway this semester. Um, right. So I haven't been too burdened by that. Um, but, you know, we've got a lot of meetings. So I'm Zoomed out. We've been Zooming, mm-hmm. going on Zoom for, you know, eight, nine hours a day, 10 hours a day, that sort of thing. Um, we teach musicians, so the students are all doing concerts, and those are usually at night around nine o'clock. So wow. your day might start at nine, and then you have like a concert to do, you know, to to watch at nine p.m. Um, but for the most part, uh, things have been good. Uh, New York is a bit of a challenging place, but uh, personally, everything's okay. Nice. Well, I hope you stay safe, huh? Um, Thank you. So we've seen Jason. We've seen entertainers taking a hit with COVID nineteen and the lockdown. You can't tour. It, you can't interact physically with your fans. Is this is this period marking a monumental shift in how the industry is going to function going forward? Yeah, I mean, it already is a monumental shift. Um, you know, there there are ways in which some of this should have been anticipated, um, and in some cases, it was anticipated. Right? Whether or not people understood that there might be a, a pandemic of this nature. Um, when you look at places like New Orleans, for instance, you know, what happened with Katrina, which caused massive disruption. When you look at what's happened with um, hurricanes and various aspects of the Caribbean and, you know, Puerto Rico, Cuba, et cetera, mm-hmm. um, which had major disruption. Um, the industry has been facing all kinds of disruptions, um, both man-made, natural disasters, um, technology uh, disruptions for long, long periods of time. So, there's always been this sense in music that the rug could be pulled out from under you at any moment. This was particularly shocking um, because the main issue here, I think, is that there's there's very little possibility in most places for congregation. People can't just cannot get together. There's a ban on large gatherings, and that has really decimated the music industry because mm-hmm. what we've been saying for the last 10, 15 years is that while musicians uh, are making less and less revenue from uh, physical sales of albums um, and even from streaming, rely on your touring. Touring is the way that musicians have always made money. It's the way that musicians can really make money in mm-hmm. a decimated uh, music industry in which they can't rely on revenue from their records. So now we're basically saying, oh, sorry, the thing that we told you to rely on <laughs> for the last 10, 15 years is gone. Um, and yet at the same time, it's not really gone. There's some other opportunities that are showing up. So this seems to me like another moment of, of massive upheaval and disruption that is going to generate a really creative response. And there are going to be entrepreneurs who are going to come in and just clean up and turn this in a different direction. But in the meantime, we have to figure out what to do about musicians who are unemployed, furloughed, um, who are in the freelance economy or gigging from gig to gig and don't have any income right now. That's a very serious uh, thing that we have to face. Yes, that is very serious. But, you know, something curious has been happening in the Caribbean because when we talk about entertainers being out of work and, and you know, the loss of income and a lot of, a lot of entertainers aren't as well off as we probably seem to think, 
the 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 reception is not a sympathetic one at all <laughs> because we see the trappings of celebrity we see the nice cars we see the nice homes we see them on tours all the time so people aren't very sympathetic to the plight of entertainers is that a, are you seeing that in in these states yeah i mean i think what you've seen in the last um 15 to 20 years in the music industry globally has been the decimation of the middle class in mm. in music mm. that's happened also in just everyday life as well but it's reflected in the in the music industry so there's less of a musical middle class mm-hmm. uh, and then there's a small percentage i don't know what the percentage is but less than 1% of superstar musicians who are making a lot of money who are really really um uh, generating a lot of revenue that's the adels the beyonces the justin mm-hmm. timberlakes those jz's and those the jz's and so on and then you've got kind of everybody else and uh it's much harder to just sustain a living um, just through music. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people are working multiple jobs and doing music at the same time in order to sustain what they do. Um, and so given that sort of decimation of the middle class, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's part of the reason that um, people are confused about how to respond to musicians in this time of pandemic need. Mm-hmm. Because we're looking at the Adele's and the Beyonce's and so on and saying, well, we don't really feel sorry for you. Mm-hmm. Look at the inside of your homes. Mm-hmm. Um, look at your Instagram accounts. Like, there's yeah. nothing to feel sorry for. Yes. And truthfully, those musicians, hopefully, if they have good financial advisors and so on, should be, you know, should have enough resources. to, to hold them through. Yeah. Absolutely. It's The issue is the musicians who live on subsistence, right, who are just basically gig to gig, mm-hmm. um, who mm-hmm. don't have those kinds of bank accounts. And, and those... Uh, musicians who I think are are a big part of the lifeblood of what makes music interesting mm-hmm. and um, and meaningful, they need um, a source of income, and so those are the ones that we need to turn our attention to. Well, we here in the Caribbean, we don't have this that level of superstardom of the Jay-Z's and the Adele's. We have one soca superstar. We have a number of Jamaican reggae singers who basically live in Miami, maybe. But I think what has happened is that 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 gig economy and that band of that demographic of gig musicians kind of parallels what happens to a large number of our musicians and soca artists and reggae singers in the Caribbean. They have all now similarly have turned to the, the pattern of social media and, and the online concert, the kind of virtual concert, and what I call virtual busking, where they put a tip jar to collect some revenue. Um, I'm, as I said, I, I, I'm not particularly a fan of the, some of the sound quality. I think that sooner or later, every artist has to become a recording engineer and have their own studio in their house. But um, from your perspective in, in America and, of course, observing the, the, the industry out there, what are some of the innovations that you see can move the, either the quality or the quantity or even the revenue stream of those artists who turn to the virtual concert as something to do? Yeah, good question, Angel. I think uh, you know everyone's trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. So no one has the exact answer for mm-hmm. like what is the solution. And it's also a case-by-case basis, so every artist has to create a customized plan for themselves of what's going to work. There's unfortunately no cookie-cutter version of... There's no one answer. No, I don't think there is. So um, I think the live stream concerts, people have had to do it Mm -hmm. um, because there's just simply no way that they can gather large audiences at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's been a huge rise in those kinds of concerts. So like you said, you know, DJ sets, DJ battles, Mm -hmm. um, live gigs. um, The versus uh, kind of series, whatever those things are. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah, all of that stuff I think is really interesting. It was happening before the pandemic. Do you think that is a fad? If you don't mind me sticking a penny, do you think that is a uh, fad or do you think that's something that's going to be around for quite some time? 
oh, I think it's going to be around for some time. I think what this moment is doing mm-hmm. is it's acculturating people to the online concert mm-hmm. experience in ways okay. they weren't. I know my own mother uh, is listening to, is watching concerts online. Uh, you oh. know, we at NYU have had to stage concerts online that we never would have done mm-hmm. before. And I think the level of creativity of some of those concerts is really interesting, especially when there's visuals involved. Mm-hmm. Um, I totally agree with you. Uh, sometimes the sound is disastrous. <laughs> there's all kinds of other, yeah. you know, technological glitches that make it very difficult to watch and mm-hmm. uh, Instagram live, you yeah, know, it, broadcasts it, go on, go off after for an hour mm-hmm. and a lot of people don't even have good enough wi-fi or bandwidth to be able to stream these kinds of concerts um there's teddy also riley. a lot of I'm, these i'm calling it teddy riley i'm calling it teddy riley's no verb i'm calling it teddy riley i think teddy had some very different ideas about what he was trying to do <laughs> didn't match up with what anyone else thought was necessary so, yeah, yeah. you know mm-hmm. I, that was very strange but um but all these things you know it's exciting there's, there's just almost this whole world of mm-hmm. online music and conversations and so on that's happening. It was happening before, but now it's mm-hmm. happening at such a high level. And I think that is definitely going to stay. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this is happening actually before the pandemic hit. I mean, Coldplay, mm-hmm. um, you know, one of the biggest rock bands in the world, they had canceled their um, tour yes. because they were, you know, uh, they were trying to figure out a way to do it without uh, creating a huge carbon footprint. I, right. kind of I saw that thing on YouTube. It's, go ahead. You yeah. tell us. You and, tell us about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, they were just trying to find a way to not have to fly in jets and, um, you know, basically uh, lug around all this equipment and cause a huge impact. Because because music, popular music, mm-hmm. and popular musicians, um, you know, have a major major carbon footprint, and they mm-hmm. travel all over the world. And while they earn money that way, they also contribute to climate. Uh, disaster. Mm-hmm. So yes. Coldplay was one of the first groups out of the gate to say, no, let's not do this. Let's try to come up with a different way. Mm-hmm. And now that this has hit and people are online doing concerts, I'm sure that's going to be one of the things that's suggested, mm-hmm. which is, well, can we just keep doing these things online because it's certainly going to contribute to uh, a, a more green music industry. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, Jason, that's an excellent point because I know within the tourism sector, that is a, this, I attended a, a um, I covered a film festival in Turks and Caicos last year, and there were a lot of British filmmakers there, and that was it was a sustainable film festival. So it was all about you know the environment and how we save the environment and that kind of thing. And I know f- that there has been a conversation in Europe, especially how to lessen the carbon footprint, which of course is going to impact travel, is going to impact tourism. So yes, this conversation has been going on. And I didn't, I don't think anybody thought that it would impact the music industry, but you're right because it's only a matter of time. Maybe COVID has sped up the conversation, but I think it was only going to be a matter of time before more musicians decided, well, yes, I want to do my part to save the environment. So this is the way we would have been going anyway. Um, One of the things I find very interesting about the whole virtual concerts is that it it seems to me to kind of level the playing field. It brings, it is, it is making stars out of people we would have forgotten about. Um, people, you know, people we look at Babyface. Babyface and Teddy, right? You know, there's a whole generation that really don't know Who catalog them, yeah. these guys had. Mm. Um, even in the Caribbean here, we've been having these, um, there's a, a battle called Battle of the Hits where we have soca producers that we don't really, people don't really know. You know the songs, but you don't know who the producers are. So they've been really putting a spotlight on people who probably wouldn't have gotten a spotlight in that way before. So I find I find it a very interesting thing because it's making stars out of people 
who we probably would have forgotten about or who probably wouldn't have been able to penetrate the industry in the way they would have been in the past. What do you think? I think that, yeah, I think that's totally fascinating. And I think it's also connected to what's happening with streaming. So one of the things we've noticed is that um, the, you know, most people are listening to music by streaming now as opposed to buying physical albums, although it depends on genres and so on. But for the most part, people get their music through streaming. And uh, streaming, you know, numbers are up. Uh, it's one of the industries that's doing really, really well. I think Spotify's company share price went up like 16%. And mm. that's because people are at home. People have time. Um, people want to listen to music from home. People want to listen to music in the background while they're at home, while they're doing more dishes than they've ever had to do, while they're cooking more meals than they've ever had to cook before. So music is becoming even more of a part of everyday life than it ever has before. But interestingly enough, mm. uh, in the U.S. and U.K., like the major genres, pop, rap, R&B, Latin music, et cetera, they're down. People are not listening to those genres. And oh, really? Stuff they're listening to, yeah. The stuff they've been listening that. to is classical they're listening to a lot of children's music of course because parents are home playing children's music with their kids um folk music because it's seen as a music uh that relaxes people mm -hmm. um and those genres have all gone up while the um what the, about world the, music if, if you're a fan of that term world music i mean music outside of western popular caribbean music yeah soca I mean, music reggae that, music it, it depends are, on the are the, the statistics I just wanted to find out because you, you cited that classical is now moving up in terms of, of growth. Um, I know that, well, America, data is, is king in America. We have a little problem here in the Caribbean in terms of getting data and getting reliable data. But um, you, the data that you're citing about the growth of classical music and children's music, that is accurate data. And I'm not searching otherwise that you're mm -hmm. making it up, but you can confirm that. Can you? Confirm? Yeah, that's, that's true. That's yeah. confirmed, All right? Because it's interesting, as you said, that... Um, that is that is a case that music outside of, as you said, hip hop and pop and Latin music is now growing. So there's a kind of, as, as as Laura suggested, a leveling of the whole playing field in terms of what people listen to. That's 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 really really interesting. I'm, I guess I'm, being at home, people want a certain kind of music. Yeah. But we're not out partying anymore. Mm -hmm. That's really the yes. But the party happened at nine o'clock, and those are the the DJs and so on who are trying who are trying to replicate the club experience at night but right. for for um streaming services like spotify mm -hmm. which are global of course you know mm -hmm. they they are um talking about how the wellness stuff is doing really well for them people chilled That's out tunes. Mm. they want wellness podcasts podcasts are really down um in general sorry thanks for telling us this okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're down but beca it's because people listen to them uh, a lot when they're uh commuting yeah that's happening they've gone down mm. um the morning routine has become big so stuff that you listen to in the morning and the morning hours are big for streaming mm -hmm. companies um so I, you know somebody from spotify once said you know every day looks like the weekend now it used to be that the weekend was the time when people would stream music stream. Uh -huh. now every day has become a day when there's potential uh, big numbers for streaming but the morning time and then it's it's less about celebrities less about these mainstream genres um, I should also say that, you know, the Caribbean is an interesting case uh -huh. um, no also because, uh, you know, so much of the music industry relies on the festivals that happen from like now mm -hmm. until the end of the summer. So yes. whether you're talking about the St. Kitts Music Festival or mm -hmm. the all the Trinidad festivals mm -hmm. or St. Lucia Jazz Festival, mm -hmm. uh, et cetera, um, I mean, that's slowed down 
to a halt and there's nothing happening. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're Trust all me. pretty much canceled. Stop. All, yeah, ca- yeah. all the carnivals in the Caribbean have been canceled. All the festivals. All the festivals, mm-hmm. effectively. Well, as we were talking about as we were talking about the idea of streaming, um, just something that Laura noted to me was in the Caribbean, um, a lot of our artists, of course, as you've suggested, we, we do rely on touring. And certainly after Trinidad Carnival, a lot of our soca artists go up the islands and go even into the dub, Toronto, New York, London, that kind of stuff. And they, um, because of the lack of travel, or they're doing things like dub plates, and of course using streaming as a as an avenue for for, for revenue for making revenue. Um, again, from your perspective, what other avenues do you see that are there for artists to earn a living beyond simply streaming and online concerts? Do you see something else? It's not much. I mean, I think there's patronage programs, so there's apps like. Um patreon mm-hmm. um, which allow you to put out content and then earn money directly from uh mm-hmm. subscriber base mm-hmm. um people i see doing cash app and venmo yeah mm. <laughs> and the apps like that they're just directly putting them out there and saying just please give you know, me money <laughs> give me money if you like me in the past <laughs> give me something now um maybe not even offering anything new but just saying you know please I- help um <laughs> and i think i think outside of that there's you know some people who have already history of the music industry are able to rely mm. on passive income like royalties mm-hmm. um, but for musicians who don't have those things they also mm-hmm. need to turn to like merchandising to yes. be able to sell uh, products and so on of mm-hmm. course if there's a massive dip in the global economy which there already has been mm-hmm. then it becomes harder for anybody to pay for a t-shirt or for anything like that mm-hmm. people don't want to go to the post office to mail t-shirts or to pick them up so all of those things are difficult. Um, but outside of that, I mean, I think I think those are the main ways that people are trying to figure it out is just if you're stuck in your house, how can you what what can you do other than a concert or um, to sell music uh, online or to sell merchandise online? There's not many other options. Not many options. Well, let's kind of throw us a wrench. Our Caribbean Development Bank has put out some grant calls recently. And there's an emergency fund for those cancel events. But they have these grant calls for festivals and for music and for data data integrity, data collection. And the thing with the music um, grand call, which is, I've been looking at it, is they're talking about innovation, collaboration, and collaboration among the island states who have events and things, but the idea of innovation is very key in terms of getting some of this money. And they have a fair amount of US dollars available, as a different number of artists. But what you've just laid out there shows me that there's a kind of finite amount of innovation that is possible, certainly among players, individual players, as opposed to, corporations of the size of a Spotify or an Apple or a Google. Is, is, is it very difficult in terms of innovation? I mean, as much as we've recognized that disruptions happen in the music industry, Katrina, COVID, and their possibilities to, to innovate during disruptive periods, there's still only a finite number of things that can be done in the music industry. Is that the case? I, well, I think in terms of creativity, it's boundless. If you're at your house or your apartment mm-hmm. or whatever you may have, mm-hmm. or even just if you're able to go in the street and social keep social distancing rules intact, mm-hmm. you, there's still all kinds of forms of creativity that you can be engaged in. And so, for instance, just as, on a small level, like I had students who you know were supposed to do a concert and they were in Berlin. Mm-hmm. They weren't able to do a concert, so they had to do it online. And that online concert was super creative and maybe even more creative than if they had had to do it in, in person because – Sometimes the lack of options is what stems the creativity, right? And mm-hmm. so suddenly you're able to be more creative because you, um, you know, have, you're facing a, a limited number of options. Mm-hmm. At the same time, so that's that's like artistic creativity, which I think should be high mm-hmm. uh, right now because there's options. There's all kinds. Of, you know, even when people are dealing with trauma and dealing with the 
um, the challenge of uh, being stuck indoors and what's happening right now. Mm -hmm. People should be able to find ways to um, make music about that or to make art that reflects the, the moment. Art has always reflected the moment, and this is a great time for that to happen. But I think the issue is outside of artistic creativity, you have to find a way to get your creativity out there. And so that's what's difficult. If people can't move, if people mm -hmm. are stuck with indoors, mm -hmm. and if people have to rely on an existing series of technological platforms, mm -hmm. um, which are, you know, most of them are billion dollar and more platforms, um, that's the problem. And so I think Erica Badu has given us a really interesting example. She's been doing concerts, um, but she created her own platform. Um, so yeah. rather than go through a, a traditional platform like Instagram Live or whatever, mm -hmm. even though she has used that, the, the battle she did with Jill Scott was on Instagram Live. Yeah. But she has her own platform. So people pay a dollar and then they can go and see her concerts. So that's a very low mm -hmm. amount of money that they have to pay. Mm -hmm. But if you think of it, if there's 500,000 people watching her concert and she's getting a dollar. That's yeah, money. That's, that's, that's money. money. That's, that's money. income. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that's a fascinating way to do it. So I think what you'll see is more creative entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. in, uh, musicians leading the way with ideas of how to um, be creative entrepreneurs at this moment. And I think that has to do with finding a way to bypass the traditional platforms and to mm -hmm. figure out how to do it yourself. Like if you had your own streaming service where you could stream your own music yeah. by working in concert with some kind of company that can do that. Like a telecom or something. So, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. And you know, we've seen things like um, driving concerts and stuff as, 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 as solutions to having live events you know, like a yeah. drive-in cinema. So that that's yeah. certainly been very interesting. Um, Jason, the thing that I notice, even as, you know, we talk about what are the options for musicians and artists going forward is the fact that music is still being made. Like that has not, that has not stopped. We have new artists coming out every day, putting out new, putting out debut albums. We have old artists still, still doing music. Um, how does an artist go about now in this time with all these restrictions marketing themselves on their music like what are the options because you know if you're a new artist the fan base is already not really familiar with you people aren't that familiar with you you may have a small fan base already but you want to get your work out there you want people to buy stream your music how do you get yourself out there what are the options um i think the options haven't changed that much i mean the thing is that music has been virtual for such a long time it most of it has been conducted online again mm -hmm. You know, in, in certain territories and in certain genres, it's different and it's still relying on physical sales. But um, physical sales have gone by the wayside for the most part and people are really focused on streaming. And so um, I think it's up to every artist working with their label, if they have a label, to decide if now is the time to put something out. Because certainly people are home, people are listening, people are attentive, people are Captive. bored out of their minds. <laughs> this is a good time to put music out. Mm -hmm. But for some people, if you, especially if you've been building up a campaign mm -hmm. uh, and you know that that campaign relied on live income, mm -hmm. uh, from uh, income, sorry, from live uh, shows and touring, then this might not be the best time. But then when? Is it the fall? Are you going to wait till 2021 to put out your album hmm. when things might be safer? Even when things are safer, are people still going to want to congregate in large numbers? I hope they so do. We, <laughs> I, I have a selfish know. reason. I mean, I, let me just stick up here and I have a selfish reason. I'm a, I'm a director yeah. of an event here called Jazz Artists on the Greens, one of the largest jazz festivals in Trinidad and Tobago. Uh -huh. Of course, we had to cancel for 2020 and we're hoping to go into 2021. And we're just hoping something happens. So, <laughs> so I, as much as I understand that people aren't willing to congregate, certainly now, I could only hope and pray that in 2020 when they are willing and certain to come back 
even with social distancing, social distancing, but yeah. that's my little two cents. And, and, yeah. and I think, I think things will start to open up. Mm. Um, they've already started to open up in lots of places, Norway and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, certain parts of Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in Germany, uh, large gatherings won't happen again until mm-hmm. after October, November. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, even now, I mean, I think there will be ways in which, you know, some of these venues will just have to have distancing rules in place and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. So I think people will go back, but there will definitely be reluctance from some, mm. uh, not only just because of COVID-19, but any future outbreaks or, yeah. you know, any other kinds of issues. Yeah. People are going to remain germophobic for a long time. Yeah, you're correct. Um, yeah. Mask, mask will now be a fashion statement. Just like yeah. shoes and hats are, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, one of the things that I'm thinking, as, you, as, you as you're speaking there to Laura, I'm just thinking about, um, in terms of streaming, we have legally in the Caribbean, certainly in Trinidad and Tobago, Deezer, right? That French company. Um, I know the Apple Music Store is here. I'm not sure about Apple Music streaming yet. So yes, certainly, you can get Apple Music streaming. But Spotify certainly is not legal here in, in or, the Caribbean. Or Tidal. Or Tidal. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have a label system generally. We have a couple artists sitting out of Jamaica who are on labels in North America. Um, we have one famous artist here in Trinidad and Tobago who is a label in France. That's Calypso Rose. So that labels don't necessarily dominate. We have independent artists basically owning their own masters kind of stuff. So that we have a certain number of boxes that are not ticked off in terms of those persons who can, quote-unquote, make it during a pandemic or outside of a pandemic. And we've already spoken about the idea of innovation and the, and the online concert. I mean, is it death for independent artists globally, or is it a potential area that, okay, now it's the time to create, to create, to create, and we just hope and pray that the scientists get this thing dealt with before December or something. So what is your thinking on that? I mean, I, I you know, I think, it, it, again, it really depends on what kind of independent artist you are and how, what your entire business structure looks like and how, you know, how you're thinking about this. But mm. I think, you know, if there are limited options for streaming music online mm. um, and there are limited options for performing it online, then it might have to be the kind of thing where you just diversify what you do. And maybe, you know, I've seen musicians in the U S for instance, who don't have numbers on streaming, who aren't able to play um, gigs and weren't playing really big gigs anyway. Mm-hmm. They're like making masks at home. Like they're, finding, <laughs> they're doing different things to yeah. just try to figure out how to earn the income yeah. Yeah. going and to sustain and to, and some people are also just taking a break to be able to write more while think, they work I think other that, jobs if they can find them. Yeah, you know? I think that may have been, that that could be the case. I mean, trademark. If you have trademark, your logo, whatever it is, let that be a brand on your mask and start. You're you're quite right. If masks are the new normal, get your trademark out there as it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jason, you're a journalist. Um, and a brilliant one. I very, you know aspire to very, write like you very, when I grow up. Very very. <laughs> I read your stuff. Genius um, writer. I've been thinking a lot about the role of of music journalists. Um. What what is our role in this time? What has it changed? Has it? What do you see as our role now? Um, in, in music, music journalism, or just journalism in general? Well, music journalism. Music journalism. I think you know. The, I mean, on one hand, uh, I think it's the same that it's always been for music journalists to be able to document the zeitgeist, the cultural moment to figure out what's happening and how it's happening. Um, so clearly I think, uh, well, I think it was the, the music writer Grail Marcus once said that it's not that musicians reflect the times, it's that musicians absorb the energy of the moment. Mm. And uh, it's interesting to see which musicians are able to do that, to absorb all of the 
anxiety, the stress, the weird exhilaration, the nervousness of all of this time and, and put it into their music. So one of the things we need to do as music journalists is to be able to track some of those changes as they occur subtly and sometimes more explicitly. Um, I just did a piece on uh, Drake's um, Tusi roll, Tusi slide music video, which I think is you know one of the more profound commentaries on the contemporary um, pandemic moment that we're in. Um, but it's not something that most people would look at and say, oh, that's pandemic pop or that's pandemic mm-hmm. soca. There will be, right? There will be a response by most musicians to this moment because yes. that's what music does. Find, even, even if it escapes the moment, the escape is itself a commentary on the moment. So that's I think cool. that's, one of the, that's one of the things we can do is sort of analyze and identify what's happening. And then I think the other thing that music journalists can do is point to particular artists who really need more attention because right now people are listening to um, streaming they're listening to streaming services a lot uh, at least in the US and UK and other parts of the world and they're just using uh, um, these smart speaker assistants uh, if they have them so like Alexa and Siri and so mm-hmm. on. and they're just saying Siri play me something you know um, quiet or calming and then it goes to all of the music that's kind of algorithmically uh, programmed to play however journalists can highlight uh indie artists artists who are kind of more left curve or eccentric who deserve attention mm-hmm. um who might not be getting attention because people are just relying on their smart speakers to give them the same stuff that they might hear all the time yeah so i think that's where journalists can be really useful as curators as people who can um, point to new music that's out there that deserves uh, attention. I really, really like, I'm really intrigued by this whole, you know, the notion, again, the use of data, looking at what these streaming, what is popular on these streaming services and any smart, any smart musician would take a look at this, what the data is saying and really try to see how they, if they could find a niche there for themselves. I, I really am really intrigued by that. Even us as journalists will really look at what the data is saying and, and see where the opportunities are for, for stories, for captivating stories. I have to just insert myself in the sense that um, I just did a, I, I write a blog, iradio.tt, blog.iradio.tt, shameless blog. Shameless blog. But um, what I've noted, um, we have in, our, in Trinidad and Tobago, we have a state enterprise. It's basically funded by the government that kind of supposed to create a policy for the music industry, for the growth of the music industry, for the export of our local music industry. And the, the chairman of that company basically admitted in parliament, in front of a parliamentary committee, that data integrity is the biggest problem that we've had. But that is a conversation that has been happening since the beginning of the century. 2002, people, um, yeah. researchers are writing and say, well, data problems, collecting data for the Caribbean is very difficult, collecting data is run. That has just been the norm going all the way through and thing. Unlike America that seems to have data on everything and companies like Spotify, which I believe started as a data company and morphed into a music company or music streaming company. Data has always been a problem here in the Caribbean. It's, it's, it's difficult. Even as a writer, I'm a writer, Laura is a journalist and an editor. And um, to, to be constantly writing and hoping that it's what we're writing is based on some more information, more than anecdotal stuff. I can't go to anything. So I, I'm thinking that the next thing that I have to do is become a data collector myself. I, do you do you create your own data or do you not create, but do you collect your own data in terms of your work as a journalist? I mean, yes, you write and create ideas, but is it part and parcel of your job to actually go out there and get data so that you make your story 
Yeah, it depends on the the nature of the data. Um, I think a lot of music journalists don't rely on data at all, unless you're talking about like chart numbers and chart success and that sort of thing. Mm. That's kind of empirical. But um, outside of that, a lot of these um, streaming companies are very protective of their data. They don't really mm. um, let that much information out about exactly what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did some work for Spotify for a while where I um, had access to some of their backend data, which was fascinating mm. um, to really think about what is it? You know, what was <laughs> What does it say about Caribbean music? Just, just being selfish here to ask that question. If... They, I didn't get any access to, Car- to Caribbean music, but mm. um, but I can imagine they must have. They must a lot have something. Yeah, I mean, Caribbean artists are on Spotify, so I'm just wondering if their music is streamed. So maybe not in the quantities of Adele or, or, or Drake, but somebody's playing the music somewhere. I'm thinking. Oh, absolutely. Mm. I mean, they're including Latin American artists. They do Latin America and Caribbean, so mm-hmm. um, they certainly have detailed numbers on all of that stuff. But mm. um, but most for most of the time, journalists don't have access to that material, yeah. that data, unless they released it. And usually, when they release it, it's a it's a kind of summary um, that they provide mm. big trends, um, trends, and that's mm. the extent to which the data is available. Um, so, and then of course there's things, there's, uh, companies like SoundScan and mm. Nielsen and, um, there's radio data Ray and Snow so on. And that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm. All of that. I don't know how much journalists are often going to that. It depends on the nature of the journalist, but sometimes what you're doing is really writing more about trends mm. and things that you see in the culture and writing about the music itself rather yeah. than the data. But, um, it's not the first time that, you mm. know, uh, journalists have not been able to access data, <laughs> but has still have to write about something. And this has been happening also like in China and other places where, um, there's a huge, uh, amount of bootlegging that's going on in music. Yes. Um, so you can't really access data to be able to write about that stuff, but it still needs to be discussed. Discussed as it was. Yeah. Let me ask you another selfish question as a, a, a citizen of Caribbean heritage. Um, have you done a lot of journalism or writing on Caribbean music? I haven't. Um, I'd like to do more. I, I feel like I'm not as um, well versed as I should be because uh, I don't. I don't like to write as a, a kind of musical tourist. I like to try to be as competent as possible. Yeah. And so I've thought of doing certain things, but I'll, you know, I always think there's better people to do that work. But oh. um, it, it, but it depends. It, uh, I would like to do certainly more more writing. Okay. Nice. Well, Jason, this has certainly been. A very interesting and enlightening conversation. I, I really hope, you know, I'm really intrigued that 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 comment about you know these streaming services and what is what is trending right now in what people's choices. What that has really <laughs> stuck with me. I'm very intrigued by that. Um, yeah, and I, and I should I should say, Laura, you know, the other thing is so wellness is doing really well. Yes, but you can also imagine that even when um, the isolation uh, measures are uh, lifted and people are able to congregate again. People are still going to be traumatized. Yes, yes, <laughs> this yes. It's going to go on. on. There will. So, PTSD. The wellness thing is forever in music. I think that yeah. you're going to see a much bigger component of therapy, music as therapy, therapeutic music, wellness, yeah. um, yoga, all of that stuff is going to be way bigger than it's ever been before. And, and it figures it, it figures huge in, in tourism as well. So maybe there's definitely an opportunity there for Caribbean artists mm-hmm. to, to combine their music with the tourism industry mm-hmm. into this wellness thrust. There are opportunities there, I'm thinking. So let's jam, jam, jam more. Relax, relax. <laughs> this is the sound of my voice. <laughs> I had to throw that in. Sorry. Oh my God, Jason, this was has been a pleasure. I, I thank you so much for your insight and your expertise, and hopefully we can have you back on 
one of these good days. And to hopefully talk about we can some have you projects. in Trinidad, Jason, so that you can write about Trinidad music. That's a selfish plug once again. But Jason, <laughs> absolutely fabulous, to. fabulous meeting you because this is my first time meeting you. Uh, you're a fond of information. I've, as I said, I've read your bio and I've read some of your stuff. I own one of your books. You are brilliant. You're a genius. Oh. That's all I have to say. You're a genius. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Nigel. Thank you, Laura. I really appreciate and, it. And, and I seriously hope that you do come to Trinidad, even after have a conversations, and we could have a conversations here at university among musicians so they could get a bit of your knowledge and the wide breadth of information that you do have about the global music industry through which all Caribbean artists want to get into. Yes. Oh, I'd love to come. And as soon as I can get on a plane, that's probably the next place I'll go. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Well, Nigel, another informative and enlightening conversation. Once again, and this time I'm, I'm smiling ear to ear. Jason King is, a, as I said, he's a genius. Brilliant mind, knowledgeable, absolutely brilliant writer. And I, I could have conversations like this for quite some time. And he has some Trini blood, so that helps. That helps. That helps. <laughs> you have to come home and eat a doubles. I'm surprised yes. you didn't come home sooner. But we'll, just, we'll discuss that another time. But So I think that's it for our episode of COVID-19 Conversation. Once again, on Music Matters, the Carbon Edition. I am Nigel Campbell. I'm Laura Dowridge Phillips, and we'll talk to you another time. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to Music Matters, the Caribbean edition. If you enjoy the podcast, please like, subscribe, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Music Matters Caribbean. And if you want to listen to our previous podcasts and keep up with our new material, check out the website podcast.iradio.tt. Or listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Radio Public, and more of your favorite podcast platforms.